Hello and welcome to episode four of the Alberta Paramedic Protocol podcast. I'm going to be going over seizure management today for the adult uh, subsection. I'm going to switch up the order that I'm doing things every time. I feel like the last episode that I did where I did the protocol at the very end, it worked a lot better. So I'm going to do the protocol at the very end and go over notes and what I could glean from the textbook stuff and then I'll, I'll go over um, the actual protocol at the end. So adult seizure, again, this is from the advanced care paramedic perspective um, and I'll try and describe things as best I can for those that aren't in the healthcare industry that are listening. I know there's lots of them. So what is a seizure? We will start there. So a seizure is an episode of abnormal neurologic function caused by inappropriate electrical discharge in the brain neurons. Um, epilepsy is a term that you'll hear a lot when it comes to seizures as well. And that's just the clinical condition where an individual is subject to recurrent seizure seizures. And the term is ordinarily applied not only, uh, to, or only applied to seizures caused by reversible conditions. Um, so we can have primary or, or idiopathic seizures, uh, and those are seizures that don't have a clear cause. And then we have secondary or, uh, symptomatic seizures. And those are a result of another identifiable condition. Um, seizure subset groups uh, can be a little bit convoluted um, just because they've changed them in recent years. And by recent years, I mean like in the last 20 years. But you'll still see uh, the old terms and the new terms kind of mixed together. Um, under the umbrella of seizures, there's two main classifications. There's generalized seizures and there's partial seizures. The biggest difference between these two is um, how they come about, so what causes them, and also the level of consciousness that your patient will um, be in. So a generalized seizure is normally accompanied, or almost always accompanied by an abrupt loss of consciousness or complete loss of consciousness. Um, a generalized seizure is caused by uh, simultaneous activation of the cerebral cortex. What is the cerebral cortex? That's the outer layer of the cerebrum or the uh, like kind of like the, the folded gray matter that is in charge of consciousness that um, most people associate when they think of a brain. That's the cortex. Um, and then a partial, partial or focal motor seizure is caused by electrical discharges in a localized structural lesion of the cerebral cortex. So just one very small part of the cerebral cortex or generalized would be simultaneous activation of all of the cerebral cortex. And that's why we'll have um, with a partial seizure, uh, not a complete loss of consciousness. Sometimes there will be like a delay in consciousness, it says, or an impairment of consciousness, but it's not a loss of consciousness. And then um, under the generalized, we'll have a complete loss of consciousness and you'll get um, things like an incontinent patient and uh, like the, the tonic-clonic phase, etc. So um, speaking of the tonic-clonic phase, that's a subset of generalized seizures. So generalized seizures, again, those are seizures caused, caused by uh, simultaneous activation of the cerebral cortex. Um, under, under that subset, we have tonic-clonic, and this is what we used to refer to as grand mal, which is just French for um, big illness. Um, and it, that's a generalized motor seizure producing a loss of consciousness, and it includes a postictal phase where the patient may be confused and fatigued. Um, a good way to memorize tonic-clonic, um, 
tonic is relating to muscle tension or tonicity. So that's the phase where a patient will be um, kind of rigid um, and the initial start to their seizure. And then clonic is from a Latin word clonos, and that means uh, like turmoil and confusion and violent motion. So the clonic phase is uh, where you'll have the shaking of the limbs and the trunk and what most people think of when they think of a seizure, what normally what's depicted on TV and that sort of thing. So, um, and then we have an absence or petite mal seizure. So petite mal, again, same idea. It's French for little illness. And that's a brief loss of consciousness with occasional loss of muscle tone. And then the final thing under generalized seizures is pseudo seizures. So that's a physical manifestation of an emotional or psychological disturbance not caused by electrical disturbances in the brain. Um, so I think in EMS, we see a lot of pseudo seizures for sure. And uh, a lot of the tonic clonic phases of generalized seizures. I personally haven't seen any of like the absent seizures or petite mal. Um, but that's because they're so short-lived, I think, and uh, I'd imagine a lot of the time 911 doesn't get activated for those. So, again, we have uh, under the umbrella of seizures, we have generalized seizures and we have partial seizures. Generalized seizures, as we just went over, is tonic-clonic. That's um, what the, the big, uh, like, grand mal seizure, big sickness. So normally people think of and what EMS normally responds to. We have absence or petite mal seizures, and then we have pseudo-seizures. The other side of that umbrella for seizures is the partial seizures. And uh, again, partial seizures are caused by uh, electrical discharges in a localized structure of the cerebral cortex. And they can be broken down into two different um, subsections. So we have simpler focal, and that's a dysfunction of one area of the body. So this is where you'd get like lip smacking or eye twitching. And then we have complex. Complex is char characterized by distinctive auras, including unusual smells, tastes, sounds, or visual disturbances. And complex, uh, like partial seizures, are caused by focal discharges in the temporal lobe. So sometimes consciousness can be impaired. Again, um, the main differentiation between generalized and partial is generalized uh, people lose consciousness, partial. There's no loss of consciousness. It does say consciousness can be impaired, and that's because um, the temporal lobe is in charge of... Um, things like smells and tastes and sounds and, and your vision. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much that. Um, AHS defines status epilepticus as a, as it is a condition where two or more generalized motor seizures occur without regaining a normal level of consciousness in between. And it involves a prolonged period of apnea, which may result in severe hypoxia. The textbook that I'm going through defines, um, where is it? Status epilep epilepticus as, I think it's loss of consciousness for longer than five minutes. Uh, yeah, it's a length of seizure uh, that, seizure activity lasting longer than five minutes. So AHS and this textbook that I'm reading differentiate a little bit on that. But again, for EMS under the AHS umbrella, status epilepticus is a condition where two or more generalized motor seizures occur without regaining a normal level of consciousness in between. It involves a prolonged period of apnea, which may result in severe hypoxia. So that's good to know. Um, under interventions for the notes that AHS has, um, we want to do airway management first and foremost. Um, of course, that goes without saying. ABCs are the meat and potatoes of what we do. We want to ensure patient positioning is good. 
that uh, we're giving them oxygen administration if it's indicated and that uh, suctioning is ready and uh, there if it's needed. Um, and that's a priority in the seizing, seizing patient. Controlling the seizure activity should always be or supersede endotracheal intubation. So we don't want to just intubate someone and skip the whole, whole protocol if their airway is um, not that great. We always want to try our um, ADAS and the other treatments that we can do. And then uh, we want to consider advanced airway management, excuse me, airway management, such as the King LT or intubation, only after maximal doses of uh, medications have been administered and it is clear that further intervention is needed. For EMS, under the uh, AHS notes, we have identifiable causes in the field. Uh, the first one is hypoglycemia. A sudden drop in blood sugar uh, can always result in seizure activity. And then we just want to switch over to the hypoglyce hypoglycemia protocol and treat it that way. And then we have eclampsia. And that's the most serious presentation um, of pregnancy-induced hypertension. It's characterized by motor uh, seizure activity, often preceded by vis visual disturbances, and the risk of fetal mortality increases by 10% with each seizure in eclampsia. So that's pretty huge. It's definitely something that we can uh, take care of and we need to know a lot about. And then we want to just treat eclampsia with the adult childbirth and preeclampsia slash eclampsia protocol. Um, under patient experience con considerations, it mostly just talks about bystanders. Um, most patients with seizure disorders are well managed and only require supportive care during the post-ictal post phase, um, post-ictal meaning post-seizure. A seizure can be frightening uh, for witnesses. The usual behavior resulting from a seizure can be misinterpreted as an aggressive act. This may invoke a hostile response or police involvement when there is no intention to cause harm or trouble. And then the last point is just keep bystanders calm and keep them from crowding the person. So the notes are pretty simple. Um, I don't think there's anything there that's really out there that not a lot of medics don't already know. Um, the main thing would be the classifications, I think, um, those generalized and partial seizures, and just using the right wording um, when you're writing your PCR and giving a report to the hospital or doctor. Um, I have some extra notes from the textbook. I think I went over most of the stuff under generalized and partial. The, again, the tonic phase is the rigid phase. Uh, clonic phase is jerking of the trunk and extremities. Uh, a tonic-clonic seizure should replace uh, the grand mal. Saying grand mal is an outdated term. Tonic-clonic is the new term. And yeah, uh, I've got some notes on assessment information. This is taken out of the textbook that I'm reading. Uh, just some information that we should try to be uh, getting from our patients or the bystanders on scene. So uh, rapidity, rapidity of onset uh, is an important thing to get. Presence of, proceeding, of a preceding aura, progression of motor activity, length of the seizure. Remember, status epilepticus is a seizure activity lasting longer than five minutes, or according to AHS, two or more generalized motor seizures occurring without regaining normal level of consciousness in between. Um, we have, uh, if the patient's pregnant, obviously that's extremely important. Preeclampsia is defined as a third trimester pregnancy and seizing. Um, incontinence, motor activity, uh, if it's focal or generalized. Any med changes for seizure medication. And speaking of seizure medication, uh, I'll just go over the most common one that I've seen. It's, uh, phenytoin or dilantin. 
So uh, just a quick mechanism of action there. It's a voltage-dependent uh, block of voltage-gated sodium channels. And its blood levels can be measured to determine the proper dosing and proper therapeutic index in the hospital through blood work. Um, yeah, so if you have a patient that's on uh, Dilantin, when you transport them in, normally they'll draw uh, blood work and do a bunch of other stuff, but they can check to see if they've been med compliant or if they're taking too much or too little of their, their medication. So, um, so med changes, what else do we have here? We can investigate contributing factors like sleep def deprivation, ethanol use, infection, or electrolyte disturbances. And in first-time seizures, uh, we want a more detailed history. We want to know if there's been like recent head trauma, if they've had a headache history, a history of cancer, coagulopathy, and a travel history to a developing world uh, or to developing world countries. So that's all the notes that I have. There's not a lot of extra wild stuff in the textbook. I put some stars next to stuff like um, we always obtain or the hospital always obtains a non-contrast head CT for patients with a first time seizure. <coughs> Excuse me. Or a change in established seizure pattern to identify an acute intracranial process. That's good to know. And uh, lumbar puncture is indicated in patients uh, that are febrile or, or immunocompromised or if a subarachnoid hemorrhage is suspected in the presence of a normal non-contrast head CT. That's everything out of that book. So that pretty much concludes all of the notes. There's just the medications to go over in the actual protocol. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm a little bit sick. The protocol is really linear again. Uh, it just starts with the standard approach and ongoing assessment. The typical stuff like manage your airway as needed. Again, in the notes, it said airway is one of the single most important things we can do. Um, consider spinal motion restriction. Administer oxygen. Obtain a BGL. And consider ALS intercept. Um, we want to make sure the BGL is 4 millimoles of mercury or greater. If it's not, it kicks us out to the adult hypoglycemia protocol. So we don't want to be giving medaz and treating them with a seizure protocol when we have an underlying... Um, like an underlying cause to the seizures, we would just go straight to the hypoglycemia protocol. If there's a confirmed pregnancy, it kicks us out to the um, adult childbirth preeclampsia and eclampsia protocol. Um, but considering you don't have either of those two treatable underlying causes, it just asks us, is the patient actively seizing? If they aren't, we transport them and consider pre-notification. If they are, we give them midazolam, 10 milligrams intramuscularly, and we attempt to establish vascular access and monitor a four-lead ECG. Um, then if active seizures are refractory to the treatment and we have an IV, we give them uh, midazolam, 5 milligrams, slow IV push. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Q5 minutes to a total max of 10 milligrams. And then if seizures are refractory to that treatment, you want to contact uh, OLMC for full, further direction. So super easy protocol. You just give 10 milligrams, Midaz, IM, put them on a four lead, start an IV. And then if they continue to seize, you can give them two more uh, five milligram slow IV push uh, doses up to a max of 10 Q5. So I, I, the only thing I could say is I guess the IV is pretty important in this situation. <coughs> Oh my goodness. Last time I do one of these sick. Uh, yeah, the IV is 
really important in the situation because it that's the other half of your midaz that you can give if you can't get an iv you're not allowed to give a repeat dose of the 10 milligram im uh, midazolam and then you just transport um, and consider early pre-notification under pharmacology uh, patient safety considerations box establishing an io should be reserved for seriously ill or injured patients Midazolam should only be administered while the patient is actively seizing and never administer midazolam prophylactically or in the postictal state, even if uh, the hist- even with a history of seizures. Just going into the medication that we're giving, um, what is midazolam? Midazolam is a class of benzodiazepines. Um, just the quick mechanism of action, midazolam uh, interacts with GABA channels and GABA channels will open up to let chloride into the cell. So chloride is a negatively charged um, ion and when it gets let into the cell it's remember we have our cell resting state that's negative compared to the outside of it which is really positive. So when you let a negatively charged ion in uh, through a drug mechanism it creates the um, the distance from that all or none threshold potential gets farther. So it's harder to depolarize that cell. It gets more resistant to depolarization. So, and where do we get chloride from? Um, chloride is like what's used to create a lot of salts that we have in our um, EMS drug kits. So, um, an anion will be combined with a cation to, to um, because they bind and create a salt. A salt is pretty much just like a uh, positive and negative ion bound together. So that's why we'll have like sodium chloride the chloride is negatively charged sodium is positively charged um, <clears throat> so we'll have chloride in our system everyone does and uh, it has that negative charge and it just gets dumped into the cell so benzos are that easy it just makes them a little bit more resistant to um, being activated and uh, remember we talked about that trigger on that gun benzos uh, make the trigger pull much longer so uh, the adult dosage, just repeating myself from before, it's 10 milligrams IM. We never repeat the IM dose. And then if vascular access is ad- obtained and the patient is still seizing, we're allowed to give 5 milligrams Q5 to a max of 10 milligrams IV. Um, so total max of 20 milligrams between the IM and the IV dose. The contraindications are hypersensitivity to benzodiazepines, myasthenia gravis, and systolic BP less than 100 millimoles of mercury. So benzos may cause respiratory depression and hypotension. We want to monitor the vital signs closely post-administration. Always have like um, airway management kits with you nearby when you're giving drugs like this. Use caution with other drugs that are sedatives and depressants. And midazolam is water-soluble and rapidly absorbed via the intramuscular and intranasal routes. Therefore, it's not beneficial to delay administration to acquire vascular access. I think that's pretty much it. Um, the seizure protocol is very short and easy. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else to go over. Hopefully I explained everything pretty well. I think the hardest part of this is definitely the seizure groups. And I'll just go over them one more time just because why not? Again, we have those generalized and partial. Uh, generalized is normally attributed to a loss of consciousness. Partial is not. Um, so we have our... Oh, let me actually pull it up here. So we have our uh, tonic-clonic seizures under general, our absence or petite mal seizures, and our pseudo-seizures. And then we have under partial seizures, we have our simpler, focal, or complex. That pretty much wraps everything up. Thanks a bunch for listening, and I'll see you on the next one.